Hey, Sean Geek here. Seanorama, Sean Geek Podcast. Hey, um, this week we had a bit of a, a glitch. We had a couple episodes that were deleted that um, I'm not going to be able to post now. So I am at the 11th hour creating a solo post uh, podcast that I'm going to be putting up. <clears throat> so the topic today is the pros and cons of the acquiring of Fox by Disney. Now, um, there's a lot of advantages on the Disney side to all of this. A lot of things we could talk about. Yes, the Marvel properties that were at Fox will now be under Marvel Studios, which is a great and grand thing. And there's a lot of things that can come from that. There's also a million other things that are directly related to it that, you know, is the whole stash of Fox movies that are going to be coming over to Disney. So basically, it's more coin in their purses. Um, it could be a reinvigoration of franchises that um, aren't happening in the moment or it can be reinvigorated. But let's talk about... that. That's a whole other uh, topic of discussion. <clears throat> let's look directly through um, what it means for the X-Men and Fantastic Four to make it back to Marvel Studios. So, currently, we are seeing two to four Marvel movies released a year, and that's Marvel Cinematic Universe movies under the Marvel Studios banner. The pacing of it is pretty good. We're not... Um, I mean, some people think it's a bit of a saturation, but these movies are still making money, and we got movies that are making a billion dollars, two billion dollars at the box office. So, I think it's safe to say that um, it, it isn't oversaturated. The quality of the movies are great. Um, the movies coming out are, are there's a, enough of a, a space between them that the the non-comic fans that go see these movies are not uh, overwhelmed, and overburdened, and you know don't want to have anything to do with these movies. So I think the pacing is good. So how do you fit in? all these additional characters and universes, really, because the X-Men universe is huge. Um, it's, it's more than just the team of X-Men. There's all the, the sub-teams and uh, all this other stuff that that encompasses. You know, X-Force, uh, X-Factor, um, Excalibur, uh, Alpha Flight even. Um, I mean, there's a gazillion teams on the X-Men universe side uh, and, you know, thousands of characters. So we're, when we're blending something that huge into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we have an oversaturation in characters. And Fantastic Four. I think out of all of these, I think the Fantastic Four's reach in terms of rights, when Fox got the rights to Fantastic Four, they didn't just get the Fantastic Four. They got the Fantastic Four universe, which is huge, and it ranges everything from the Silver Surfer and Galactus to the, to the, geez, what else would that encompass? I don't know if the Shi'ar and the Kree and all that sort of stuff was under their banner because the, the Kree, they somehow got the Kree back. Um, Disney somehow got the Kree into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm not sure how that happened. But the expansiveness of the Fantastic Four uh, rights is, is way too big. And it was the biggest bang for their buck, even though Fox never took advantage of it and didn't realize what they had. Um, but getting that back introduces, uh, you know, 
Like, we get thousands of characters that are now under the Marvel Cinematic Universe banner. Um, so how, what are they going to do with this? How are they going to handle this glut of characters? Um, if you're just looking at the main franchises themselves, um, outside of what was in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the X-Men side alone has a couple of dozen characters. The Fantastic Four has the four main and then some bad guys because, I mean, the franchise never took off in the way that it should, but say another 12 characters. Um, we've already got too many characters going on here. If under the same roof we're looking at the same schedule, I mean, there was supposed to be three X-Men movies coming out this year um, they, that all got pushed off. If you had those three and the regular four-ish movies that Marvel Cinematic Universe is putting out, seven movies in a year. Is that too much? Is that too much? That's the question. So how do you deal with this? So my solution is a, is a simple one. Um, is that if you look at the, uh, the structure for Marvel Comics themselves, the comic book side of it, they have an editor-in-chief. Now, he's the guy that um, makes sure that everything is working. He's the guy that makes sure that everything um, uh, is conducive, uh, it follows a timeline. Um, I mean, he takes care of all the political, financial, all that stuff. But he also makes sure, from a creative side, that everything is still making sense and that there's still a unified sense that this is, in fact, Marvel Comics and we're not turning into DC or Image, that there is still that Marvel brand affixed to all the titles under them. But beneath the editor-in-chief, they have various editors that are responsible for the individual lines. So, for example, the X-Men line of comics, uh, the Spider-Man line of comics the Fantastic Four line of comics, the Avengers line of comics, and then I think there's the Marvel Heroes line of comics. They also previously had the Hulk line of comics. Um, I, I think you see where I'm going. So they had various editors that worked directly under the editor-in-chief. Now, they were responsible for their corners of the universe and making sure everything worked within their corner of the universe. The editor-in-chief was responsible for, for pointing out, uh, well, wait a minute, like... You guys have a, a world-ending event happening in your corner of the universe. This is going to impact every other corner of the universe. The editor-in-chief is the guy that would say, no, we're not going with that storyline. Or he's the guy that helps orchestrate between all the editorial teams on how to execute and deliver this product without screwing up continuity um, and those sorts of things. So you still have the big head at the table that's in charge of everything but you still have the individual editorial teams that are responsible for growing uh, their corner of the universe. So uh, from a financial sense and a creative sense, they answer to the editor-in-chief. That editorial for the Fantastic Four universe is responsible for making sure the sales are good, uh, making sure the stories are good to ensure that the sales are good, and to make sure that the creators on that side, the writers, uh, artists, inkers, colorists, letters, like all those people, are happy and that they're, you know, they want to stay at Marvel and they want to stay on that title and making sure that the release dates are being met. So I can see a bit of competition between the different editorial teams, a friendly competition, hopefully, 
that, you know, like, oh, man, you know, what they did in the X-Men universe, that storyline was so tight. It was so good. It was, man, we, we, we got to one-up. So it, it provides a sense of competition between the editorial teams um, that they're each pushing each corner to make even better movies under, again, the editor-in-chief. So the editor-in-chief, as long as he's got a good head on his shoulders, then he has the ability to ixnay things that just aren't going to work. But the ability to, the ability and power to, if something's a really great idea in this one corner in the universe, and there's going to be a crossover as a result of it, he's the guy that makes sure the execution amongst all the editorial teams is actually going to work. So, let's look at it this way. Currently, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has Kevin Feige as the editor-in-chief. That's not his title, but follow me here. So he's responsible for making sure all the different editorial teams, i.e. the creators, on each movie are meeting in the middle to make sure that we are not breaking the Marvel brand and that everything is still not destroying the world and that there's not conflict um, in one movie that's going to contradict something happening in another movie. So currently we still we have that setting. Kevin Feige is the editor-in-chief, he's the boss, he's the guy in charge of all these individual movie franchises. So the Iron Man movie franchise, for example, is, it was John Favreau, and then, you know, the team that puts those movies together, they're almost like their own comic universe line. All right, same thing with Captain America. Same thing with uh, Thor. Same thing with all of them. So currently it does kind of operate under that model, but with all these new characters coming in, all these new universes coming in, I think that they need to add a level in between that makes sense. So you might have a Kevin Feige type character that is responsible for these sets of movies. So you might group the Avengers movies as one group of movies, for example. So, you know, you've got Iron Man, Captain America... Um, and Thor is borderline, but I guess you could include Thor in there, and then Ant-Man, the Wasp, uh, Black Panther. So they're all affiliated uh, as, uh, as the Avengers side of the universe, and then you have the Guardians of the Galaxy side of the universe. And in that, you can incorporate Fantastic Four into that. And then, conversely, you could have the X-Men universe. So you could have three editors responsible for groups of movies, many Kevin Feige's, I guess, and then Kevin Feige still presiding over all of that. And then you have these guys try to one-up each other. I mean, Kevin Feige is still, you know, the purveyor of what it is. But you can have events like we did with the Infinity War that lead up, which could be a combination of everything, or it could be a combination of a group of, uh, of films. So the Avengers films, um, you know, after six, nine, ten movies, have a big event then the X-Men films could do exactly the same thing. But then you could have World 1 and World 2 mixing. So you could have the Fantastic Four uh, cosmic side having a blend with the X-Men. So you could get an event like X-Men versus um, Fantastic Four, which was the series back in the 80s, I think it was, or maybe 90s. You could have, that would be the event. It would be the crossover between those two teams or those two worlds. Or you could have an event that would be the Avengers and the X-Men, or the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, or, you know, you have all these different combinations. It doesn't necessarily have to be a culmination 
of all the separate editorial teams or separate groups of films, um, it could be bits and pieces of it. And it gives you a bit more dynamics, dynamism, I was trying to say. But it gives you a little bit more to work with. And it doesn't oversaturate the market. The other side of this, too, is that Kevin Feige, as the editor-in-chief, would be controlling the release dates of these movies. So he still may say, look, we're currently doing like four movies a year, maybe five movies a year. I think we're going to go no more than six movies a year. So he would also make sure that the release schedule is spaced in such a way that maybe you're going to have um, two years of, um, I guess a different way. So you could have two years or say one year of Fantastic Four films. Uh, the, or the cosmic side of the universe. And you could have one year of uh, X-Men films, and then one year of this. Or you could spread the schedule out in a different way, where you're allowed to have one movie out per year, per universe. So you have your cosmic film that comes out. Uh, 2020, you have a cosmic film that comes out. You have an Avengers film that comes out. And you have an X-Men film that comes out. We're assuming three separate universes here. And that's your slate of films for the year, with a fourth or fifth being one to go with one of the other ones based upon the build-up. So you may only have one Avengers film come out in 2020, but we're at the beginning arc of the next phase of Avengers films. But you may have, on the, or the cosmic side, or the Fantastic Four side, you may have a larger... Um, build-up that's going on, you're already six movies in into that universe or into that series of movies so that in 2020, you may already be in your sixth film. So you may want to release two films that year or maybe three films that year um, to build up the culmination for that. Or you may want to space them out more. But it gives you... Um, having a movie per, per, per group is good, but you can still film these movies. You can still have these movies being filmed and still being worked on, so um, you, ha you have a revised film schedule, and I think that's the editor-in-chief's goal, uh, his main purpose, is to make sure you're not oversaturating, test the levels, and make sure you're not going overboard and uh, just killing it with too much content. And also making sure th that it's not being diluted. So what do you guys think of the theory? Is that a good way for them to go forward with it? Or should we just see eight films a year come out? <coughs> what do you think? What are your thoughts? And um, thanks for listening to us today for this rushed episode. And uh, we'll see you on the flip side.